Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. It's so good to see you. You all made it over the treacherous icy roads. Yes. Good. Good. Well done. Uh, Well, I am super excited to be here uh, today kicking off uh, the first series of the new year for New Day Community Church called Loving, Learning, Leading, and excitingly enough, the first series of teachings that I have ever had an opportunity to do. So I've done numerous teachings, but I've never done an entire series, so you are in luck. You are the guinea pigs. Um, so, uh, exciting time. So what we're talking about over the next four weeks is uh, New Day Community Church's mission statement, which is loving, learning, and leading. Uh, perhaps as you've come into the sanctuary, you've seen those three words over the, the front door there, loving, learning, and leading, and you have been like, I wonder what that means, and then came in and worshiped Jesus, and it's all good. But what, I, what we want to do today, or over the next few weeks, is communicate to us as a church what it means to be a church that is loving, learning, and leading. And so the next three weeks in the, ahead of us, how do you say that? The next three weeks, we will be looking at those individually, um, loving next week, learning the week after, and finally leading. Uh, but today I want to kind of pull back and look at not just... Um, how we love, learn, and lead, but why we want to be a church that's loving, learning, and leading, and how we are empowered to be a church that is loving, learning, and leading. So that is where we're going to start today. Um, A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, (laughs) I haven't done a a Star Wars reference in a long time. A long time. so, there was, there was at one time a tyrannical empire. Are we familiar with that? All right, an empire that, uh, that held an empire that held all of the star systems under its thumb. Everything I say is funny when it's the Star Wars. Okay, the, and... Unfortunately, the galaxy is unable to do anything about it, right? Because the, galax- the, the galactic empire is powerful. They have this galaxy-spanning military force. But what we learned in Star Wars Rebels, anybody watching Star Wars Rebels? <laughs> Me and some youth groupers. Yes, and yes, there's some adults. You can, it's okay. So in Star Wars Rebels, we see that there are pockets of resistance rising up to attack and to try to overthrow the Galactic Empire, all right? And um, as I was preparing this message, I thought, you know what I could do is, like, do some research on, like, the, the revolution and use, like, an actual historical reference. But then I thought, no. <laughs> I will not do that. I'm going to stick with where I'm comfortable. Stick, <laughs> right, right, in my wheelhouse. All right, so there is wheelhouse. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're currently here. <laughs> okay. 
Here we are, focus. But as we learned in Star Wars Rebels, there are pockets of resistance that are rising up to fight against the Empire. And we see individuals like Ezra Bridger's mom and dad. They start a radio program starting to say, the Empire's not that great. We should fight against them. And what happens to the Bridgers? The stormtroopers come in and they squash them. All right? They're crushed and they're taken away and imprisoned. And spoiler alert, at the, the mid-season break, Bridgers aren't living anymore. So, do you see that already? Sorry? Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. I said to myself, Mark, just have fun up there. And this is, this is what you get. This is what you get. Okay, so they're crushed by the stormtroopers, um, but we see that um, as different individuals rise up against the Empire, they can just send their stormtroopers and crush them, right? They get rid of them, and they're, uh, they're not strong enough to take down the Empire until, until these rebels, these resistance fighters, start to band together. And as they band together, these once individuals are... Uh, they form the, the Rebellion, which are the good guys in the original trilogy. All right? And these, uh, this ragtag fleet of ships, they are able to, to come together and they destroy not one, but two Death Stars. They destroy the Emperor and they redeem Darth Vader. All right? So it's, it's the, 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 the Rebellion right, is stronger when they are together. All right? Interesting. And the church is similar to the rebellion. Okay? We have a job to do. And we aren't fighting against a galactic empire, right? But we are fighting against the powers of darkness in our world. All right? And we, uh, like the rebellion, are stronger when we are together. Okay? We can't all be Luke Skywalker. I will be Luke Skywalker. Um... (laughs) We, and because Luke, by himself, could not have overthrown the Empire. He needed all these other players, right? We needed Han and Chewie. You know, we needed uh, Admiral Akbar. That's a drop! <laughs> Took my joke, that's all right. We need Yoda. We need all the, the nameless and faceless pilots and troopers that launch themselves against Adats on Hoth and against the Death Stars, right? We need all of these people. We even need Nine Numb, Lando Calrissian's co-pilot in uh, Return of the Jedi. Anyway, okay, so in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about how we can be a church that makes a difference, how we as individuals can come together and we can bring light and life into a world that is dominated by darkness. All right, and over the next few weeks, we're going to look at those three aspects, like I said, loving, learning, and leading. Um, but today, we want to look at why and how we are a church that is loving, learning, and leading. Okay, so why is it? Why is it that we even care about this? Why do we want to be a church that is making a difference? And the reality is, as I've already uh, mentioned is that we live in a world that is controlled and dominated and corrupted by sin. We see death and destruction, pain, loneliness, despair all over the place. Right? We've all seen it in our own lives. You know, we've seen, you know, the death of a loved one. We've seen, 
know, either people we love or ourselves struggling with sickness. Um, you know, we watch as in the past and in the present as war and terrorism, you know, bring, you know uh, they, uh, they decimate countries and, and people, right? We see all this negative stuff, right? We see how porn addiction or drug addiction or alcohol destroys families and destroys relationships. And I don't think that I need to spend a long time trying to convince you that we live in a world that is dominated by sin and darkness. And the Bible teaches this, right? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 that there is a God of this world, a lowercase g, God of this world that blinds us from seeing God, the creator God. Right? And the Bible teaches that we are all under the sway of this evil, cosmic, spiritual figure. Right? We were when we followed the, the ways of this world and we, when we followed our own um, passions and our own desires. Right? And we can see the fruit of this demonic influence all over the place. And that is why we want to be a church that makes a difference. But how are we supposed to, as a church, how are we supposed to respond to this darkness? You know, do we run and hide? You know, do we uh, kind of hole up together here in the safety of the four walls of the church, singing, I'll fly away until Jesus comes back? That's a good song. But no, that's not. That's not what we should do. We are part of God's plan in his purpose to overthrow the powers of darkness. We have an opportunity and an obligation to bring light and life into this world that is corrupted by sin. All right? And his plan is the church. His plan is you and me. The whole community here in, in Kalamazoo and all the other churches that call in the name of Jesus uh, here in Kalamazoo and in Michigan and the United States and across the world, we are all centers of light to, to bring and to shine into the darkness. You know, we're not just a social club. You know, we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we, as a body, are filled with the Holy Spirit, enabled to bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ in our community and in our world. We are the answer to a lost in a hurting world. And so Jesus, as we know, as we sang about this morning, came as a light in the darkness. He came to inaugurate the kingdom of God, which he did, but there is still work to be done. Right? We can see that in our world. There, there is still light to be brought. Right? Jesus' message of hope and love and mercy in peace and salvation, still has yet to get out to every corner of the world, in every corner of our world, every corner of our community. And what's interesting is that throughout history, God chooses to use people to fulfill his purposes. Now this seems like a bad choice. <laughs> But this is what he likes to do. We see it from the very beginning. It's obviously not a bad choice. God doesn't make bad choices. Okay? So we see it from the very beginning that God uses Adam and Eve. He chooses them to be caretakers and rulers 
of his world. In Genesis 1.28, it says, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. All right, and so we don't see God coming and, you know, setting up his throne on the earth and ruling and subduing the earth. No, he creates everything and then he gives it to Adam and Eve and he says, you guys be fruitful. You guys fill the earth. You guys subdue it. You guys rule over it. And so God, from the very beginning, prior to the fall, wants to use people to fulfill his purposes in creation. We see it in Abraham, right? God shows him and his descendants, the nation of Israel, to be the conduit of his blessing to the world. Now, could God have shown up in every nation and every people group and, and revealed his blessing? Yeah, certainly. God can do whatever he wants, but what he chose to do was to use Abraham and the nation of Israel to bring his blessing to the world. We see it again, uh, you know, that he uses Jonah. He doesn't go to Nineveh himself, he uses Jonah. And we see that he uses the prophets to proclaim his word to the nations, right, specifically Israel and, and Judah, to share with them what God's heart and what God is saying to them at, at, the, at those different times. Right, and then, ultimately, we see that God, after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, chooses to create a new community. He creates the church to continue his work, to continue the work that Jesus began, which is bringing the kingdom into a world that is dominated by sin and death and these evil elemental spiritual forces. Right? And so that is why we are a church that's making a difference. That is why we want to be excellent at loving God and loving others, learning all Christ had taught, and leading others to Christ, right? Because we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and everywhere we go, we are bringing this life, light, hope, joy, peace, and love of the kingdom into a world that is under the sway of the evil one. All right, so that's why, all right? That is why we want to be a church that is making a difference. But how are we supposed to do it? And so we're going to dive in. We're going to spend most of our time this morning here in the first chapter of Acts. Um, and we're, we see that Jesus did not leave his disciples alone, uh, un. Uh, prepared to fulfill what they were called to do. Right? It says here in Acts 1, uh, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, praise God, he did not leave uh, us his, the original disciples unprepared, right? He said, wait for me, because I am going to send the gift that my Father has promised you. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And so I think it's interesting, right, that the, uh, the disciples weren't immediately told, like, you know, Jesus ascends and says, now get out there, guys, and, and get to work, right? Because he, he knows that they don't have everything that it takes to fulfill their call, their purpose in life, to continue bringing the kingdom in, into the world, right? We see uh, a group of disciples, there's about 120 of them at this point, at, at the beginning of Acts, prior to uh, Pentecost, the, the sending of the Holy Spirit, and they're nervous. They are afraid, right? They know that just a few weeks prior to this, the, the Romans and the Jewish religious leaders had taken Jesus, who they had thought was the Messiah, who they thought was the Savior, who they thought was the Son of God, and they had crucified him, and, and he, has, he was dead, right? He said, what, how could this be? And now these same rulers and, and leaders, they are going to look, if we step out and start talking about Jesus, they are going to come and they're going to crucify us or they're going to kick us out or who knows what they're going to do. And so the disciples are nervous, right? They don't want to go out and proclaim the name of Jesus because they're not quite sure what is happening. They had this expectation that the Messiah that came was going to be a military leader like Joshua, right, and overthrow these Romans. And he came, and he didn't quite do that, and actually, he died. Ah, how could this be? But then he, he uh, comes back. Three days later, he is alive and says, hey, guys, don't worry. You know, I, I, know, you know, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're feeling, but just stay here. Because uh, we're going to send, because the Father is going to send that promised Holy Spirit. It's better that I go away. This is, again, one of those things that makes you go, that doesn't seem like that good of an idea, God. You're going to take Jesus away? Like, everywhere Jesus went, he was healing the sick and casting out demons. He was drawing people to himself, except for those religious leaders, right? And why would it be better that he goes away? It's because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be your comforter and your guide and your power. And so Jesus uh, ascends into heaven and, and uh, he sits at the right hand of God the Father and from there sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does a lot of amazing things. He indwells each one of us as Christ followers. He unites us to Christ, knits us to the body of believers, brings revelation, and so on and so forth. But what we see here in, in Acts is that the Holy Spirit empowers. Right? And we see in this story that he brings courage and boldness. He brings confidence, insight, ability, and authority. All these things that the disciples are going to need if they are going to fulfill their mission. And what's exciting, this is an aside, is that as Christ followers, you and I get this same Holy Spirit inside of us. We get to tap in to this same power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. The power that emboldened and gave courage and insight and authority to the disciples is the same spirit that we can tap into today that lives inside of us. And so we see that God creates a community empowered to be witnesses. God creates a community, not just 
individuals. I think as a culture, right, we are very individualistic and we are constantly going, talk, we talk even about Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, right? And what is Jesus doing in my life? And I need to do my devotions. And all those things are true and important. But as we look at the teachings of Paul and the teachings throughout the New Testament, we see that God doesn't just create saved individuals. He creates saved individuals, he saves individuals, and draws them into a community, right? He draws them into a community and then empowers them and sends them out to be witnesses. And we can't deny, right, this communal aspect. It's everywhere in the, in the Gospels. It's everywhere in, in the, the New Testament letters. It's all over the Old Testament as well. Community, it's all about community. And Paul... Uh, and this is just one example, writing to the, a group of believers in Ephesus, right? He, there's a lot of letters. The New Testament is made up of many uh, letters that, that Paul and John and Peter uh, sent out to different people, and almost all of them are sent out to groups of people, not to individuals, right? And so here, Paul is talking to the group of believers in Ephesus, and it's, he says, and in him, Jesus Christ, you too, and this is the plural form of you, all of you, in Jesus, all of you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Wow, that is amazing, right? And we know that God dwells inside each one of us individually, and it is awesome, and it is good. But we also see revealed through scripture that God dwells in a special way in the community of believers. And so when we come together, when we are the church, we grow in uh, loving, learning, and leading, we are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives. God lives in this community. And Paul continues to teach, and in the book of Corinthians that we don't really have time to look at today, we see that each person has a, a part to play, right? We can't, uh, he says that, you know, the, the eye can't say, or the foot, the toe, okay, obviously I didn't read this. The one part of the body can't say to another part of the body, oh, I'm so jealous, I wish I was you, because every single part is important. <laughs> you should just read 1 Corinthians 12 on your own, that would be, that'd be good. Um, and each of these parts, every single person is important, right? Even, you know, like in our fantastic example that we had at the, the top of this sermon, there's, you know, there's a bunch of guys, and if you, if you look at the Hoth base, right, there's these, there's these guys that are, they're in charge of opening and closing the blast doors, you know, they're in charge of keeping the Tauntaun safe so Han can go out and be a hero, right? And those people are all important. They, you know, and maybe they're sitting around being like, man, I wish I could be Han Solo. You know, I wish I got to fly the Millennium Falcon. You know, but without those guys preparing the snow speeders and getting the Tauntauns ready, the, the, rebe <laughs> the rebellion would not be able to fulfill what they're called to do. And in the same way, we, each one of us has an important role to play, Right? You know, the Sunday school teachers and nursery workers are so vitally important, right? That's not just uh, 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 babysitting so that we can do church, right? They are, you know, teaching and raising up the, those kids, teaching them all that Christ has taught and, 
you know, loving them, you know, and showing them the hands of, of Christ through their actions, right? And they, not only are they doing that, but they enable Cameron and the worship leaders and, and the teachers to do what we all, what we do, right? Right, and then each person that, that makes coffee and runs the sound and does all these different, sometimes thankless jobs, we need them so that we can do church effectively on Sunday morning. Right? And as we do church effectively, we can draw together and, we, and when other people come and visit us, right, we are removing every roadblock, every obstacle for them to come and encounter Jesus. Right? It's not because we love coffee, right, that we have coffee. It's because we want to get every obstacle out of the way so that people can meet Jesus. Okay? And so each one of us is important. Each one of us has a part to play. And interestingly, the, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, that it is the church communally that is the body of Christ. All right? It's not that I am a body of Christ and Amber's a body of Christ and Aaron's a body of Christ. It is when we come together as the church, that is the body of Christ, continuing the work of God in our world. All right? And so as a community of believers filled with the Holy Spirit, we become the body of Christ and we are able to be witnesses. Right? We are able to bear witness to Jesus Christ, to the resurrection, to the life-changing work that the Holy Spirit has done inside of each one of us. Okay, so how do we see the early church bearing witness to God? All right, we see that, we see why, right? We, they, the, 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 the God creates this community of believers because there's still work to be done. There's still darkness in the world, and we are empowered to overthrow that darkness and bring light, right? And we see how we are able to do that because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. But what does it look like in that early church after the day of Pentecost? What does the early church look like? And it says this in Acts 2, starting in 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So we see throughout this that these believers were in community. We see that they were together. We see that together uh, they would sit underneath the, the apostles' teaching, right? They were learning all that Christ had taught, right? We see them breaking bread together and praying, you know, loving one another, loving God. They were filled with awe at what the, the apostles were doing. Again, they were together and they had everything in common. They supported one another. They encouraged one another. And they, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, worshiping. They broke bread, spending time together. And on and on, we, we see that this church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, came into community. Came, comes into community, and it is through that community that 
oh, let me see. Oh, wait, there's another, there's a great slide here. It's through this community, in, then in 247 it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say that, you know, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and they went out proclaiming the gospel, though certainly they did that. We see Peter doing that immediately when the Holy Spirit comes. And so there is a significant aspect of proclaiming the resurrected Jesus. But what we see the church doing is coming together in community, being filled with the Holy Spirit, which enables them to take up their cross and follow Jesus and actually really love those in the church. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're able to lay their lives down and serve those who are outside of the church. Because they are able, enabled by the Holy Spirit, to continue the work that Jesus did. Right? And Jesus actually didn't walk around preaching the gospel. Right? He didn't walk around saying, I'm Jesus, I'm the Son of God. Right? He actually, a number of times, we see him saying, don't tell anybody. Right? Don't tell anybody who I am. But what he did was that he brought the kingdom everywhere he went. And it drew people to him. Right? And so if you and I do the same thing, we do the works of Jesus Christ because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, the Lord will add to our number daily those who are being saved. So as we live well in community, people will get saved. Well, that's interesting. Right? Because it's as a community that we love and encourage and support one another. Right? It's as a community that we're able to restore our strength. Right? Iron sharpens iron. You know, spending time with one another helps us and encourages us to, to, to run the race and to pursue what God has called us to do. You know, as a community, we reveal th how the kingdom works. Amazing, right? We reveal how the kingdom works as we, we serve one another, we serve our world. You know, um, Amber and I went to breakfast yesterday. We got a gift card to um, Food Dance. That's really good. Fancy. You know, um, Amber and I are super fancy. Uh, so we went, to, we went to Food Dance, and it was great. And as, as I like to do, and Amber loves, I was kind of hashing over my sermon on, on, the, way, on the way back. <laughs> And um, she's so encouraged. And, 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 I, and I, I had this idea that just by, and we were having a, we were having a good time, even before the, we were talking about the sermon. We're having a good time. We're loving each other. You know, we're encouraging each other. We're just talking about life. And I'm like, we are doing it. Like, we are bringing the kingdom. We are lights in this world because we are revealing the kingdom in our relationship. You know, even though, yeah, we didn't, we didn't get up and stand on the table and food dance and proclaim the gospel, right? Maybe we should. No, no. No, that wouldn't have been good. You know, but just, we just brought the kingdom in there by serving and loving one another. You know? And so we reveal how the kingdom works as we live the kingdom in our lives. You know, and as we come together as a community, all of our individual lights come together and we are able to shine brighter in this darkness. And as, as a community that we can come together and we glorify God and we exalt him by living lifestyles of worship. Right? And I just, I need this community. I need to be in community. 
You know, and I, I remember, and it was especially apparent, and I think about this often when I first got saved, like 20-some years ago, a little over 20 years ago, and I got plugged into the church and immediately was invited in by my good friend Scott Jones. He invited me to the men's Bible study, invited me into the worship team. We had Wednesday night services. And as a young Christian, I needed that community. I needed those reminders and those encouragements to continue this path that I had started. And I, I don't know what would have happened, you know, if I got saved there and I didn't join and get embedded into the community of the church. There's a real good chance I could have just flittered away as the, the cares and the concerns of life kind of overtook me and I just wandered off. But because I was in community, right, I was drawn in. And now, here we are, 20-some years later, serving the church in the capacity that I am. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And I just continue to need community for the support and the accountability and the encouragement. And I think that each one of us, we need to understand that we need to be in community. We're not created to be Wolverine as an X-Man. <laughs> He's all out on his own. He's got... So... 1 Timothy 2, this is my last scripture, says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This was Paul talking to Timothy, saying, Pray for the, the, the government, pray for the leadership, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives and all godliness and holiness. You know, so often we think that, oh, I need to go, you know, move to the other side of the world, or I need to, to quit my job and do this thing, or if, if to be really impressive to God, I need to, to do this or that. And certainly sometimes people are called to that and it is great, but, but here we see that a majority of the Christians, the majority of the Christ followers, right, they were expected to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And this is the next sentence. Paul says, this is good. Live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. There's a power of living well in our community. It's going to draw people in. And it's God's plan and his purpose to bring light into this world that is corrupted by sin and darkness. All right, so God's purpose for the church is that we are witnesses that bring the kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. Our purpose is to be a church that makes a difference. And that means that we uh, love God and others, we learn all Christ has taught, and we lead others to Christ. All right, so that's where we're going to be heading over the next three weeks. We're going to be diving into those three things, loving, learning, and leading, but all with the backdrop that we are ambassadors of light in a dark world, and we are empowered to bring that light. Will you stand with me? Father God, we love you. Father God, you are worthy.
God, and we thank you that you have empowered us. God, that you have filled us with your Holy Spirit as Christ followers to do the work that you have called us to do, to be lights in the darkness. Lord, and I pray that as we leave here today, God, that you would help us to take up our cross and to follow you, to love and to serve and to reveal your reality to a hurting and lost world. In your name we pray. Amen.